0: Well, hey, good morning. It's good to see you guys. We are in the third week of a sermon series that we are calling Mind Monsters. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a series all about mental health. And in the month of May, which is tomorrow, come on, we're in May tomorrow, everybody. Where is this year going? Um, in the month of May, this nation starts talking about mental health. You'll hear about it where you work. You'll hear about it on television. If you're a student, you'll hear about it in school. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that we lean, in, we lean in to the subject of mental health. But at the same time, the church needs to talk about it as well. I think we as a church, we have, um, we have truth that, we, that is in the scriptures that we can turn to on the subject of mental health. Because it's important to hear what, we're, what your work has to say, what psychologists and therapy and counselors have to say. But it is also important to hear what the word of God says. Can I get a good amen, Lighthouse? And so that's what we've been doing. And today, I've got a tough assignment. I'm going to talk on depression today. It's a necessary conversation that we need to have. Depression's got an ugly sister named anxiety. <laughs> and They typically go together. And so we're going to be talking about depression and anxiety. It's wild because, like, I woke up this morning and I looked outside and it's all great. Like, on the Sunday, I'm going to talk about depression. You couldn't even dial up some sun. You know what I mean? It's like, we're just diving into everything depression today. I got depressed looking at the sun. No kidding. But um, but we've got a lot to talk about today. And so um, I've got a lot of notes for you. I'm not going to lie. I've got a lot to say. So there will be moments where I pause and I'll say, hey, take a picture of what's on the screen. Because there's going to be some content on there. Um, either that or write really fast. But we've got a lot of content. But I think it's really going to bless you. Y'all ready to go? All right, First Kings 19. 1 Kings 19 verses 1 through 4 we will have the scriptures on the screen. If you have your Bible, open that up. If you've got the Bible on your phone, you can open up that app. Here we go ahab told jezebel everything that elijah had done just pause there ahab is the king of israel okay israel worshiped yahweh he married this crazy woman by the name of jezebel she was an idol worshiper he had no business marrying her but he did see what happens when you don't listen to your mom and dad you know what i mean mama said she's crazy and he married her anyway and now the whole country's in a mess so king ahab tells his wife queen jezebel everything that Elijah had done. Now, Elijah was the prophet who was bold. He had no problem telling the king, your wife is crazy. <laughs> you never should have married her. And she's making a mess in the kingdom of Israel. All right, going on. And so Ahab tells her how Elijah had killed all of the prophets with the sword. These are the prophets to the false god that she worshipped. So Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the one of them by this time tomorrow. In paraphrase, she said, I'm coming to kill you, okay? Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. Everybody say ran. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, time out. This brother ran. He got so afraid. I I, I need you to get this because Beersheba, where he ran to, is 100 miles. Everybody say 100. 100 miles away from where he was. The Bible says he ran there brother ran 100 miles i get tired sometimes thinking about running to the end of the block this man ran 100 miles to get to beersheba that's how much this woman provoked fear in him you need to get that because sometimes you read the bible and without context you're like so what he was afraid so what he went for a run when's the last time you ran 100 miles (laughs) he had to get far he got far far from the queen going on Uh, when he came to beersheba that belonged to judah he left his servants there And he went a day's journey into the wilderness. He went all alone and he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. In other words, Elijah was having suicidal ideation. Elijah was so depressed, he thought, it's better if I just die. Some of y'all think the Bible doesn't relate to what you're going through. This Bible, it relates exactly to what you're going through. We just got to get you to read the right passages. That's what we're here to help you with so Elijah is dealing with suicidal ideation and he says I have had enough Lord take my life for I am no better than my ancestors I want to talk to you on this thought that I am simply calling make it go away make it go away and if you've ever dealt with anxiety and if you've ever dealt with depression you've probably felt this and maybe even said this to yourself so we're gonna lean in on this hey it's important that we pray because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us so can we pray together right now let's pray Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask that your spirit come and speak to us through your word. Your word is anointed. Your word is life. Your word has wisdom. Your word transforms. I pray, God, that we would be sensitive to hear what you are saying. God, I pray that we would remove every distraction, block out the noise, and for the next 30 minutes, Father, just hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody, and you may. Be seated. We're back in this text with Elijah. And some of you might be thinking... Didn't we talk about Elijah two weeks ago? Absolutely, we did. But I left some meat on that bone because I knew I'd come back to this. And so let's go back to the story of Elijah and let's unpack it together. So when we get to 1 Kings 19, you need to, have, you need to understand what happened in 1 Kings 18. There were three really big things that happened, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through it quickly, but you need to get what happened in 1 Kings 18. Number one, God spoke to Elijah and he told the prophet Elijah, I am going to end a three-year drought. They went three years without rain. Now, I know we're in San Diego, and up until January, that was like life for us, right? We rarely got rain until January. January came and wrecked everything. I mean, we were so wrecked, we even got to pay our taxes late, and that's okay. It's like I, didn't even, I couldn't even believe it. It was like tax day, and they were like, oh, if you live in San Diego, don't worry about it. You can file late. Why? Because it rained a lot. Okay. <laughs> But that's just how bad it's been. I'm not even lying. That's just how bad it's been in our county when it comes to rain. So they went three years with no rain, and God told Elijah, I'm going to send rain. That's great news. But God said, I'm going to restore the land. So he's getting ready to restore the land because the drought had devastated the land. But God said, in order to restore the land, I need to spiritually reform the people. So what I'm going to do in the natural, I also got to do in the spiritual. And what he was saying is, my people, Israel, has fallen into idolatry because the king married that crazy woman, and she has um, brought in idolatry. Now Israel, which was supposed to worship Yahweh only, is also worshiping Baal. So we have a divided nation. And so God said, I'm going to bring the rain, but I need spiritual reform in Israel. Some of you, this ain't in my notes, but I'm gonna preach it because it's there. Some of you want to see God do things in the natural, and He's waiting for you to fix things in the spiritual. There's some things that you're praying for God to do, and He's saying, "I will do that." And I'm gonna, allow, and I'm, and, and I'm hearing your prayers, but there's some things in the spiritual that need some work, work as well. So what, so what Elijah does is he sets up this showdown to prove who's the true God because half of the nation is worshiping Baal, half is worshiping Yahweh. So he says, we're going to have this duel on the top of Mount Carmel. And what we're going to do is we're going to build two altars. Y'all build your altar to Baal. I'll build my altar to Yahweh. Whoseever God responds with fire, that's the true God. Fast forward, Yahweh responds. And, and Elijah was playing for keeps. He told the guys, like, whoever loses has to die. <laughs> and it was 450 prophets against one prophet elijah so when elijah when god came and consumed his sacrifice god said uh, elijah said all right time to settle up and he had all 450 prophets of baal killed so king ahab tells his wife like hey yo uh elijah had all of your prophets killed she goes into a fit but before that happens after this showdown in mount carmel so that's the second thing that happened the third thing happens then god says okay now we've spiritually reformed the people because immediately the people saw baal is a false god yahweh is a true god we need to now repent from idolatry and worship god then god tells elijah now start praying for rain so elijah starts praying for rain it has not rained in three years when Elijah starts praying for rain, all of a sudden pff, floods start happening. The Bible's crazy, isn't it? Like all that happened in the span of one chapter, all of that in one chapter. So you have all these highs, God talking to Elijah, Elijah having a showdown on Mount Carmel, God supernaturally sending sp- rain. These are highs. Everybody say highs. highs. We go through highs in life. But then the minute he found out that the queen wanted to kill him, he got in his feelings. The the minute he found out that the queen was after him, a spirit of heaviness. Everybody say heaviness. Heaviness. A spirit of heaviness came on him, and he got depressed. He ran for his life, and he had suicidal ideation. And my point in saying all of that is this. I want to tell you, I want to explain to you how you know when anxiety and depression are knocking at your door. When you start going through what should be a high in life and all you feel is numbness, you're just numb, Depression's knocking at your door. And some of you know what I'm talking about, because moments have happened when you should feel good. Elijah's just called down rain. Elijah's just proved that Yahweh is God and all he wants to do is die. There was a numbness that he was starting to feel, and that's the trigger. Listen, if you've ever felt that numbness, just know anxiety and depression are knocking at your door. I think some of you are staring at me with a look of fear because you felt that before. And it's not a coincidence that I'm talking about this subject because God said that he was going to lift the spirit of heaviness off of this church through this sermon series. But y'all going to have to lean in on this, okay? But I, I said that week one, I declared it in the altar call. God said, I'm going to lift a spirit of heaviness that is on the lives of some people. And so that's what we're going to dive into. Now, now, what I want you to get first and foremost is that there are nine different causes of depression and anxiety, there are nine different causes of depression and anxiety. And the, the Swiss writer and journalist, Johann Harry, he wrote that of these nine causes of depression, only two are biological or neurological, meaning there, there, there are two causes of depression where you definitely need to go and get help. You need to go and see somebody. If, if it requires medicine, do what you have to do. But two are biological, neurological, Okay. But, but on the flip side, and here's the good news, Lighthouse, that means seven of the nine are social or behavioral, meaning you might feel like, like the walls are caving in and there's nothing you can do. Come on, you're going to get set free today because there's a lot that you can do. There is a lot that you can do, okay? So let me give you the nine causes. They're going to show up on the screen. I'll tell you when to take a picture of it because I think it's good, okay? Number one, cause number one, disconnection from meaningful And purposeful work. Cause number two, disconnection from meaningful relationships with other people. And cause number three, disconnection from personal values with intrinsic rewards. Now's a good time to take a picture of that slide, okay? If if you have felt some disconnectedness in these areas, they are going to provoke you. You might feel like they are pushing you into a state of anxiety or into a state of depression. That's three, okay? Okay? I've got three more coming. Here's the next ones. Disconnection caused by trauma in childhood. Disconnection from self-worth and self-respect. Disconnection from the natural world. Disconnection from the natural world. Again, we're still on social behavior. These are all things that we could fix. And today through the word of God, we're going to talk about how we can fix them. All right. Here's the last three. Here's the last three. Disconnection from hope for a better future when you just feel like it's never going to get better. This is something that through the power of God's word, and I believe what you can do um, through your own efforts as well and in alignment with God's word to get better. Now, these last two are neurological. This is when you got to see somebody. And as I said in week one, there is no stigma. I'll say that again. There is no stigma if you are dealing with a mental health issue. You got to get help. Go get some help. And we're going to pray with you. We're going to believe with you. Um, if, if it's financial, come talk to me because we want you to get better. We want you to get better. So here are the last two right here, okay? Disconnection in the body and brain due to genetics. Disconnection in the body and brain due to trauma. So, again, the, the, the trend there is there is a disconnectedness. There is a disconnectedness that is causing you to feel anxious, There's a disconnectedness that is causing you to feel like you're entering to a cave of depression. And so what that means is naturally we got to start connecting to some things. If it's disconnectedness that is putting us into a cave of depression and anxiety, what are the areas of my life that I need to start connecting to so I can start to see some changes in these arenas? Y'all ready for this now? Let's dive in. First Kings 19, 5 through 6. So I read you verses 1 through 4. Now let me read to you 5 and 6, because this is the first way that we get better. The Bible says this. Then he laid down, this is Elijah, he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. I like this angel. <laughs> you guys catch that? Angel shows up, like, hey man, we need to eat. That's my favorite kind of angel right there. He didn't say we need to fast. He didn't say we need to pray. He's like, hey, I'm cooking some little something back there. We got to go and eat. And the Bible says Elijah looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals, a jar of water. He ate and he drank. And The Bible says, and then he lay down again. So as I said just a minute ago, notice that when Elijah was at this point of, of wanting to end his life, what God did was send an angel and the angel did not deal with anything spiritual in this moment. He did not deal with anything spiritual. I know in the old church we grew up thinking that you could pray everything away. Sometimes you just can't. You cannot solve a natural problem with a spiritual solution. If you're taking notes, write that down. You cannot solve a natural problem with a spiritual solution. I shared this in week one. Y'all liked it so much. I'm going to share it again in week three, and I'm going to let you take notes on it. Some of, the th- some of the things that are causing you to feel depressed are just you not taking good care of yourself. You're just not taking care of yourself. There's a reason why self-care has been so trendy, and that is because there is so much of our world that is pushing people into depression and pushing people into anxiety that, that people, right now it's just booming, this, this whole self-care movement. So, so what is our natural resistance and I used a strong word to communicate this. Again, I shared this week one. It's worth repeating. So we're going to say it again. What is our natural resistance to feeling burned out? In the natural, you need to do this. Number one, you need to get some rest. The angel fed him and then said, lay down again. You need some rest. Number two, you need to drink lots of water. I don't care if it says Coke Zero. It still ain't good for you. <laughs> I don't care if it says diet. It still ain't good for you. You need more water. Drink water. I mean, it literally says that right here. The angel was like, have some food, drink some water, all right? We're going to drink this right now. You need to eat better, okay? Your food will absolutely affect your feelings. Your food will affect your feelings. Stuff that's not good for you, overly processed, it's not good for this, okay? Number four, and and don't get mad at me, but y'all need to just exercise a little more. We all need to get the blood flowing again. I've said this before, running will naturally increase the dopamine levels in your head, meaning you're going to feel better when you get the blood flowing. And lastly, you need to get some more sun. Listen, some of y'all hanging out playing video games in your room with nothing but LED lights on all the time. You need sun. You need sun. Listen, this is a natural resistance. And again, some of you think you're dealing with the demon. No, you just need to get outside. Pastor, I got a demon. Really? Is it called a bad appetite or what? It's like, it's, it's, these are things we can control. And if you've ever felt like, like you're going down a, a hill here, you're feeling like, man, I'm, I'm in a funk, I would challenge you to go and ask of yourself in these five areas, are, are you doing well? Are you doing well? Because this is your first line of defense, okay? This is the first, okay? I got more coming. Some of y'all, it's so, this is too simple. And sometimes it is that simple. Sometimes it is that simple. Sometimes you just got to get out of your rhythms and your routines and do better. God has given you one body to steward. Y'all know that, right? We need to steward our bodies. We only get one of these. I know you're getting a glorified one in heaven, but why are y'all living like you're in a hurry to get there? You know what I'm saying? Don't be in such a hurry to get there. Take care of the one you got. OK, I believe God wants to use you to your full potential. But what if your health was getting in the way? Come on. We got to do better. And I know like like so, and I don't mean to come down on you. I want somebody to be like this oh, pastor, man, he's harsh today at my peak. And I've got the pictures to show it. I was two hundred and ten pounds and I was 30 years old and I just finished graduate school and I was the most unhealthy that I have ever been. And so I've walked this journey where I looked in the mirror and I decided enough is enough and I've got to change. And, and I've got to make a change for the better. As a matter of fact, it was when my wife was pregnant with my son, who is now here today. He's now 13. But 13 years ago, I got shook. Okay, Pastor got shook, and I said, if I continue down this path, I might get to heaven earlier than I should. So we made some changes. And uh, do, I, do, I, do I got it all figured out? Absolutely not. But you got to do what you can. You guys tracking with me so far? Because some of us, it's just we're just we're missing it. And it has to do with something so easy. And rest is so important. Everybody say rest. rest. You are not meant to go 100 miles an hour. If you, if, if, and I hear people say this. If I just had more time, if I just had more time, and my response to you is we've all got the same amount of time, what are you doing with the time that you have? You have to create some margin in your life. Otherwise, Psalm 127, verse 2, it says this, in vain, you rise early, you stay up late, and you're toiling for food to eat, you're hustling. You ever met someone that says, hustle, hustle, hustle. I got a side job, and then I got a side job to that side job. I'm hustling. Be careful with that because the Bible says that God grants sleep to those he loves. There's a lifestyle of rest that God wants you to lean into. Jesus absolutely lived a lifestyle of rest. So that's the first thing we, we, we got to get, get better about just our health. Number two, we got to figure out our identity. Everybody say identity. Because there's three things that the enemy does to you in the area of your identity that can trigger anxiety and depression. Number one, the enemy will tell you that you are what you do. Number two, the enemy will lie to you and tell you you are what others think you are. Number three, the enemy will lie to you and say you are what you have look at that list right there some of us especially some of us that have come out of a church that was performance-based religion you're dealing with trauma because you think that God will only love you according to what you do like I got to do this I got to do more I got to work more I'm working for God's love listen to me lighthouse church you are already loved you were made in his image we don't work for approval we work from approval there's a big difference there. We don't work for love. We work from our place of love. Because he loves me, I'm not going to go and do that thing. Because he loves me, I'm not going to do that to my family. Because he loves me, these are the things I'm going to do with my life. But it's not, it's not to try to earn anything from him. You will you, you will be so depressed thinking, I've missed the mark. I've missed the mark. I've missed the mark. Listen, you're never going to make the mark. Even on your best day. I heard a, Preachers say this. It was so good. He said, there's times when I get behind the pulpit and and I'm upset because I know I didn't preach um, like I could have because I didn't prepare like I should have. And he talked about carrying this guilt. And then one day God set him free and God said to him, even on your best day, you still weren't good enough. Even on your best day, that didn't make you more anointed. I use you in spite of you. I use you in spite of you. And so we, gotta, gotta, we need to have this healthy sense of identity, and our identity first is on the foundation that we are built on Christ, right? Yeah. So I got some notes here. When you believe these lies, these lies will convince you that you need to work for approval. These lies will convince you that you need to make everyone like you. Listen to me. Some people just aren't going to like you, and you need to be okay with that. You just need to be okay with that. You want to make everybody happy? Sell ice cream. <laughs> the only people that make people happy is ice cream. That's it. You know what I mean? Nothing but smiles. These people ain't going to like you, and you got to be okay with it. I heard a preacher say this the other day. He said, you know, when I, when I was in my 30s, he said, he said when, when I was in my 30s, I, I thought that I had to work really hard to make people like me. I, I had to work really hard because really of what they were thinking about me. And then he goes, when I got to my 40s, I was like, I don't care what people think. I'm just going to be me. I got into my 40s, I'm just going to do what I have to do, and I don't care what people think. And then he got into his 50s, and then wisdom kicked in, and then he realized they weren't even thinking about you. (laughs) So all of this, I need them to think, or I don't care what they think, they weren't even thinking about you, okay? And so many times we feel like we've got to make everyone like us. Listen to me, you're always going to upset people. Even the best intentions, they can be so misconstrued, and when that happens, that's the enemy. Lastly, this lie that your possessions will make you happy. This is why Instagram has busted some of your lives, because you're constantly comparing what you don't have with what other people have. But here's the truth of God's word. Here's God's truth. God's truth says we are already loved by the Father, okay? There's nothing that we can do to make him love us. He already loves us, okay? Uh, We are who God says we are. This is why you got to get in your word. You need to know what God and who God says you are and live from that place. I'm not what my coworkers think about me. I'm not what my in-laws think about me. Praise the Lord. I am not what, you know what this person thinks about me. I am God says I am and lastly everything that my father has given me is mine to steward and you gotta, you gotta have this holy contentment right Paul said I've learned to be content with what I have had and Paul said I know what it's like to have a lot and I know what it's like to have a little but in all those things I've learned to be content it is my portion and I know that what I have right now is what God has given me to steward and if there are some things that you want that God has not given to you it might be because you aren't ready for it yet I heard something wise the other day from a pastor out in Florida. He's always dropping bars, and he said this. He said, God does not punish you. So many times we think God punishes me. God is punishing me. God is, God is not giving me what I want. But he did say this. If God were to punish you, okay, even though we don't subscribe to that theology, but he said any time that kind of resembles what you might think is God punishing you is God giving you what you want. Think about that for a second. God knows what you want, but He gives you what you need. And sometimes, what you think is God punishing you is God saying, "Okay, you've asked and asked to date that man so many times, and I'm gonna give you what you want, but He's gonna wreck your life." And there's a reason I did not allow him into your life. So, so what you think is God punishing you is God saying, "I'm done. I'm gonna let you do what you want." He's not actively punishing you. He just says, "I'm just gonna go and let you do what you want." That messed me up the other day. I was like, "My God." Because cause so many times he's actively trying to save you from yourself. But there comes a limit when he's like, okay, I called you out of that. I pulled you out of that. I saved you from that. And now I'm just going to let you do what you want. I know what you need. But some of you just want what you want. And he'll let you get what you want. And so you got to be careful when you live with this discontentment and you're so depressed because I don't have what they have. Just know that God has given you your portion. Just just know. And if you feel like you deserve more than take an inventory of your life, because he gives he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he's going to give you the things that you need. You guys tracking with me so far? But you got to have a holy contentment with what you've got. All right, let's move on. So we talked about identity. Now I want to talk about this next little area. Everybody say structure. Oh, I'm coming for you right now. All my right brain people. Let's go. You need some structure in your life. You need some structure in your life. Some of you that are dealing with anxiety and depression is because you think it's fun to be spontaneous. Spontaneous is overrated. Spontaneous is overrated. Here's my notes. Create stability in your lives through rhythms and schedule. You need to have some routines in your life. I call them rhythms because I'm a musician. I like to play the drums. So I call it rhythms. It's a little less stingy. You know what I'm saying? Call it a routine. But what you need in your life is a schedule. Some of you are dealing with anxiety and depression because every single day, you, your wife and your kids has no idea what's coming for them. Your husband has no idea who you're going to be in the morning. And, and you need stability and you need structure in your life. Okay, let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. The Bible would say over and over again that Jesus got up early in the morning and went to go pray and be alone with the Father as was his custom. The Bible says that a lot. When Jesus would get up and spend quiet time with the Father and that was his custom. Everybody say custom. Meaning this is what he did. Now let me set some of y'all free because some of you don't, don't agree with me. Um, Chris Hodges says this. When you develop schedules and maintain routines, your brain relaxes. When you have rhythms and routines in your life, your brain can take a break. And so many of us don't have rhythms and routines. You think it's fun to be spontaneous. Now listen, when I'm on travel, there are times when I absolutely disconnect. It's spring break. My boys are on spring break. I disconnect. But, but when we're on, when I am on, I lead a very boring life. Seriously. See, my wife just with me. But have you ever heard of decision fatigue? It's a real thing. Decision fatigue is a real thing. And I suffer from decision fatigue mean i've got so many good decisions in me and then i just turn off and then i'm like i will deal with that tomorrow because right now i'm done and i'm not sure if i made a decision that it would be a prayerful decision i don't know if i made a decision that it would be the right decision and i remember one day um it was a day that that someone said hey you need a need a quick minute of your time no problem i should have known you know <laughs> should have known this isn't a quick minute, no such thing if it's a minute, it's already quick. If you got to say it's a quick minute, it's because it ain't going to be a quick minute. And, and next thing you know, I'm on a phone call, and, and, and I was asked to make maybe about 100 decisions on that one phone call. And it, it, it wore me down. And by 10 a.m., I was ready to go to sleep and wake up the next day. I was done. I'm not playing because Because then, like, our staff later that day would text me, here, our staff at the church, and I just didn't respond. And then the next morning, I had to issue an apology. I said, I just want to let you know. Like, I hit, my, I hit my limit on decisions for the day. And decision fatigue is a real thing. I mean, there are some people that go into this. There are some people that go into this where there's this guy that I like to listen to on podcasts. He only wears black. Black shirts, black jeans. That's it. The only thing he mixes up is his hat and his shoes. Other than that, he wears black. Why? Because he's trying to do, he's trying to make one less decision in the morning. He knows what he's going to wear. Just, he knows, like, this is what I wear on this day. I'm always going to wear black. It's easy wardrobe. I just hacked some of your life right there. <laughs> some of you ladies are mad at me right now, and you've already tuned me out. But, but my, my, point is, my point is this. My point is this, okay? Here's my point, point. I'm giving you some extreme examples. But, but my point is when you create rhythms and routines, listen, you even help your children at home, mom and dad. Your children need a schedule. And, 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 and so you have to set a schedule with your life. And you have to have these rhythms and routines. It will reduce your anxiety. I'm trying to help you here this morning. It will reduce your anxiety. And so how do I know how to create my rhythms and my schedule and my routines? Well, I'm going to ask you, what's the vision for your life? Because whatever God's vision is for your life, whatever vision that you have for your life, it should be evidenced in your habits. Because people having goals is, like, sexy, right? I've got all these goals, Pastor Josh. I, I've got all these goals for my life. You can, you can show me your dream board, but I don't need to see your vision board or your dream board. I just want to see your schedule. Because show me who you are, and I'll tell you who you're becoming. It's your habits. I don't care what your vision board looks like. I don't care how many magazines you cut up and put on that vision board, okay? Show me your habits. I'll tell you who you are becoming. And so what you have to do is you have to have a vision. Proverbs says this. We know this verse in Proverbs. It says, without a vision, people run wild. But one who follows divine instruction will be happy. Recently, my wife and I, we got vacation goals. We got vacation goals. And we're trying to take some nice trips this year. So we looked at our budget. And we said, we got to eat out less. Because I don't know what happened to the restaurant industry post 2020. But it's crazy. It's like, when when did 18% used to be the normal for tips? You know what I mean? Like, I show up, they're like, would you like to tip 18%? I'm like, no, I'm one person. There's not seven more people in here with me. See, I'm from the 90s. You only tipped 18% if there was like 20 of you guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, tip 18% for what? (laughs) I get it. I'm old and cheap. But anyway. (laughs) So we just started eating out less. Why? Because we have goals. We have a vision for our life. We're trying to go somewhere. We're trying to do things with our life. And it all boils down to your rhythms, your routines, and your habits. Because, again, relax your brain, everybody. Make less decisions. Put it on the schedule and go for it. Y'all tracking with me? Yeah. All right. Here's another thing we've got to do. And let's go talk about identity. We've talked about structure. Everybody say people. We've got to get our people right in our life. We've got to get our people right in our life. As I said a minute ago, and hopefully y'all grab that picture, when we are disconnected from meaningful relationships. You need meaningful people in your life. Which means, and this is is a hard thing to say, but some of y'all need to hear it, you got some meaningless people in your lives. Relationships that just suck the energy out of you. Now, I get pouring into people, but you got to be careful of them vampires. (laughs) They will just suck you dry. You know what I'm talking about? Just some people in your life that will suck all the energy out of you. You need meaningful relationships in your life. In the first service, one of my best friends of all time, top five, right, came to church. I love seeing him. He came all the way from Chula Vista because periodically he likes to come to church up here. Why? Because he's one of the most meaningful people that I have in my life. You need people like that in your life. You need people who are meaningful, people that are going to be with you in your highs and your lows, people that are consistent. Everybody say consistent. I know it's fun to have a crazy friend, but they draining. <laughs> And I'm sorry if you are the crazy friend. We just talked about structure, okay? We're trying to help you. <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you, need, you need some meaningful people in your life. Look, look, at what, look at how God deals with Elijah. So Elijah's got these, like, suicidal ideations. God says, all right, we're going to feed you. We're going to make you rest. And then he takes him into a cave because he wants to have a spiritual encounter with him. And we got more to come on that we cannot talk about every single topic. If some of you are wondering, why are we talking about the spiritual? We're not done yet, okay? But some of your problems are natural and not spiritual. So I'm trying to help you in these arenas. And so Elisha has this spiritual encounter with God in a cave. And then what does God tell Elijah right when it's done? Verse 15 and 16 of Kings 19, go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. I want you to watch this. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. He's about to appoint the next king. He's reconnecting him with meaningful work. That king Ahab, I'm done with him. I want you to go anoint the next king, okay? I want you to anoint Jehu, king of Nimshi, to be king over Israel. I want you to anoint him as well. And then listen to this one right here. And anoint Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. Elisha. Son of Shaphat from Abel. Mahola, to succeed you as a prophet. The Lord tells Elijah, I need you to invest in people. I need you to go and anoint the men that are supposed to be the next kings, and then I want you to find your successor, and I want you to pour yourself into him. Think about that for a second. God said, I'm going to bring joy back into your life by putting someone in your life that you can pour into. You see, what God gives you, everybody say river. Okay. God needs us to be rivers of living water, okay? Meaning what we receive of him, we deposit into others. Instead, some of you become reservoirs, meaning what God deposits into you, you share with no one. And so you shut up the water for yourself. You're a reservoir, you're not a river, so there's no outlet for what God's trying to do through you. Everybody say through you. You got to mature in your faith when it's not just what God does to you, but it's what God does through you. And some of you are still like, God, do this to me. God, do this to me. God, do this to me. And God wants to know, when can I move through you? When can I use you? When will you make yourself available to me? I want to work through you. Right? this. I already said it, but write it down. You need meaningful work, and you need meaningful relationships. He said, Elijah, you're going to be in this funk of depression, so I'm going to bring who's next, and you're going to pour your life into that person. And, and, and we're all in different places. Maybe you're in a season in your life where you're on the receiving end, and that's okay. But eventually, God's going to need you to be a river and not a reservoir. Eventually, God's going to bring some people into your life, and you have got to be sensitive to the voice of God so that when God speaks to you and says, I need you to speak to this person, you are ready. Recently, there was a gentleman that came into my life, and the very first day that I met him, I shared with my wife. I said, I believe God brought him into my life so that I could help him. And recently he came to church. And it was at the very first encounter with that person. I just knew. I mean, I thought I was showing up for sports for one of my kiddos. I, I, I was like, I'm just bringing him to practice. And right in that moment, God said, I'm going to use you because this man needs you. This man needs you. And I'm, and, I, and I'm seeing God do it. And I'm watching the work of the Lord. And so you have to have meaningful relationships all right, here, here's the next one, and I'm, and I'm winding down. This is, is why well, I'm almost done. The next one is control. Everybody say control. control. Stop being a control freak. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. Moving on. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I got more to go with it. But that's the point. So many of us are so busy trying to control things that are outside of your control, and that's why you're anxious. You will be anxious when you are constantly trying to do the things that you cannot control. They have this prayer that they pray in recovery programs. It's in programs like Alcoholics Anonymous and Celebrate Recovery. And it's a beautiful line. And I want to read it to you. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Just the serenity, the peace to just accept I can't change that. And I like this, the courage to change the things I can. Today I'm talking to you a lot about the things that you can change. That's what I'm talking to you. I just need you to get courageous today, okay? All right, don't get triggered. Don't get mad at me cuz I came after your diet. But but I need you to be courageous. Okay? Give me the courage to change the things I can and lastly, and the wisdom to know the difference. Cuz you cannot control the weather. There's just some things you can't control. You cannot control the kids at your children's school. The kids are the kids. Stop helicoptering, mom. Get off the campus, okay? Like watch me. I can control this. Get them expelled. <laughs> There's just certain things that are beyond your control, and, and and you need to know when things are in your control and when things are outside of your control, and you need to learn to let go of things that are beyond your control. I'm trying to help you, lighthouseers. There's just so many things you're just like. How many times do you see? Do we read in the Bible that we just have to give it to God? There's this saying, right? Just give it to God. Just just give it to. Him. Now, some of you might be thinking, what does that look like practically? So here's what we did. We actually gave you guys. <laughs> sheets of paper. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Because you're like, okay, I gave it to God, I guess. Um, we gave you some sheets of paper. If you use them for your notes, that's awesome. But they weren't for that. But that's cool. It's all good. What that means is you need to start bringing paper with you to church. <laughs> Take more notes, praise the Lord. Um, but but here, here's the deal. Dr. Henry Cloud, hey, when I drop a name in a recommendation, y'all better pick it up, okay? So Dr. Henry Cloud wrote an incredible book. And he talks about this exercise of letting go of things that you can't control. And what he says is what you need to do is take 10 minutes and write down things that you cannot control. I cannot control what that person thinks of me. I cannot control what's happening with the interest rates. I cannot control. Just write down the things you can't control. Take 10 minutes. This is an exercise, okay, for you to do at home. Just write down the things you can't control. Just write it all down. And if you're, if you're crying while that happens, good. Do what you got. You got to scream, process, do you, okay? But but, write down the things you can't control. And when you are done, crumble up that piece of paper and throw it away. Don't put it on your vision board, okay? <laughs> throw it away. I'm done. And in the, what you are doing is you're saying, God, I just put it in your hands. There is a supernatural and a natural release that happens when you do that. When you just write down, I can't control it. So I'm giving it to God. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to close with this. There's this is passage of scripture that talks about the life that Jesus draws us into. Everybody say Jesus. You see, the problem with the church is sometimes we look more like the church than we do look like Jesus. And we were never called to look like the church. We were called to look like Jesus. And many of us don't look like Jesus. Your only friends are here in this tent. You're not looking like Jesus. You don't have rhythms of rest. You don't look like Jesus. You don't spend time with the Father. You don't look like Jesus. But I love what Jesus says. He draws you into a life of looking like him because he understands you can be so busy looking like the church, you will lose your mind trying to look like the church, live up to the expectation of what church he is. And, and Jesus, he says this. Listen to the life that he draws us into. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion?" Then come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. That's Jesus' invitation. And some of you today, hear me, Lighthouse. God wants to take the heaviness off of your life and he wants to give you instead a garment of praise. He wants to take off the heaviness and give you joy today. He wants to lift the heaviness and bring peace into your life today. But it is up to you. Keep doing it your way. Keep doing it through your means. Keep doing it the way that you think it should be done. Or we can learn from Jesus and do it his way. Oh, we can learn his unforced rhythms of grace. We can live like him and we can live freely. We can live like him and we can live lightly. We can live like him and experience joy. We can experience peace. We can experience fulfillment. That's the life that he's drawing us into. But Lighthouse, it's up to you. Do do you want to keep going your way or do you want to do it his way? This last Sunday, we celebrated 10 people that gave their lives to Christ. What were they saying? We're doing it Jesus's way. I did it my way for for a long time, and all that got me was depressed. All that got me was anxious. All that got me was guilt and shame. But now I'm doing it Jesus's way, and I'm experiencing real rest. And, And that doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it also doesn't mean I'm quitting. And that doesn't mean I have all my stuff together, but that doesn't mean I'm trying to live from a place of approval. And that's the life that I believe Christ wants for you. He's calling you into this life. But it is up to you to respond. Let me pray for you right there where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person that is here right now. God, I pray that someone would make a decision right now in this moment to follow you. No more following their way. No more doing it by their design, their methods. No, no more listening to what culture is saying But God, your way is proven. Your way is pure. You bring reconciliation. You bring restoration. And you bring healing. So right now in this moment, I pray that someone makes a decision to follow you. Right now in this moment, I pray that someone makes a decision to surrender their life to yours. To receive you as their Lord and Savior. To make a confession of faith today. To repent from doing it their way you move in someone's heart right now to do that father that we would drink from your cup and that we would carry your burden because your burden is light in jesus name we pray amen hey there's two things we're going to do right now here's the first thing we're going to do that paper that i gave you we're going to go into worship and as we are going into worship some of you need to write down the things that are just taking your peace to robbing you of your joy these are things you cannot control don't wait do that now i want you to write down things whatever it is just take a few minutes while they're worshiping just write it down write it down we're going to respond a little differently to the holy spirit and what god is doing here today there's more than one way to respond there's the altar call which is a great response and we know the altar call as well but sometimes you need to just write some things down and surrender them to god so take that paper if you need a paper let put your hand up in the air and the ushers will come down and, and they got some pens too but some of you need to do this. And when you're done, fold it up, fold it up, and bring it right here, and lay it here. I actually did this in the first service. I laid it down, and they took it. And they threw it in the trash for me, which is great, but I can't even show you where I wanted to go, but but write the things down. And then as we go into worship, bring it here, leave it here, okay? Leave it here. We're going to throw it away. No one's going to read it, okay? We're just going to throw all those things away, and we're just going to relinquish control. And then go back into worship, or if you want to, you can stay right here and just and, and we'll pray for you at this altar. If you need prayer, our ushers, our, our pastors are here to pray with you, and we will we will we'll come alongside you and pray for you. But this is how we're gonna end today. It's a little different. If you don't want to write anything, go ahead and stand up and just worship with us and uh, just, just take these next few moments to just entertain his presence today. But I believe someone's gonna be free right now. I believe there's a divine exchange happening right now, and if you need to surrender your life to Christ. Do that in these moments. We love you, Lighthouse Church. We're believing for you. Come on, let's worship all together in this moment. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.